coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming turning point moment. Ahem. Yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. Chapter 1. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's been our theme verse, our key verse, and we're called to be witnesses, like a legal witness. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. We're going to tell the truth about Jesus, and the truth about Jesus is that he's in my life, he's working around me, he's working in me, and if I let him, he wants to work through me, and when he starts working through me, that's when I start saying, oh my goodness, have you heard how good God is, because have you heard about the thing that he did in my life? Have you heard about the thing he did in my life? Have you heard about the thing that he did in my co-worker's life? And we just start talking, witnessing, we get so scared about it because we're like, man, I just need to tell people my life story. No, just tell them the last good thing that God did for you. And you're like, oh, well, I can't remember. Then you're not trying hard enough or you're not aware of the goodness of God at work in your life. Because God is working all the time. The truth is we only think God is working if it's a big spectacular like <laughs> lightning bolt moment. The truth is God is working in the subtlety. He's working in the quiet. When the apostle or the prophet was out trying to find God, he said, I'm not in the hurricane, not in the tornado, I'm not in the fire, I'm not in the crashing. I'm a still, small boy. And so though we think that God is only working in the big and the spectacular, God oftentimes is working in the shadows as much as he's working in the spectacular. And the more that we can become aware of it, the more thankful we become and the more Willing we are to begin to share. Yeah, you know, God is making me a better person. Why? Because I care about people more. Oh, well, that's a nice thing. No, you don't understand. I'm a terrible person, and I care about people more. Like, that's still not amazing. No, no, you don't understand. When I walk into a room, I'm like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. I just make snap judgments, but now I only hate three out of ten people. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. We, Brennan's like, yes, I know, Amen. We just think that if it's like the only way that's God working in our life is if someone comes back from the dead. And that is incredible. And it's real. And it happens. And it's happening in the 21st century. But it's also miraculous when God makes you less of a jerk. Because the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life is called the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. And all those things are character things. Because God cares as much about your character as he does about your calling. Because the only way you can carry your calling is if you have the, char- the character handle the weight and the load. So don't get distracted. Don't get worried. Oh, God's not doing anything in my life. No, God is doing so many things in your life. Jesus is at work. Now here's the question. Am I going to let him work through me? Or am I just going to hoard it all to myself because it just feels so good and I like the vibes and I like the feels and I like the way that Jesus makes me feel like I have some self-confidence. Well, take that self-confidence and turn it into a love for somebody else and share it with somebody else. It's not just meant, meant for you. What comes to you, let it just flow. Through you. Two people remember it. It's fine. 14 weeks and we had two people remember. It's cool. I'm not offended at all. Uh, so the other day we had friends coming over. And uh, so as we're preparing, you know, as you do, we just throw some Netflix on the background. And what do I throw on? Back to the Future. Because my kids need education. You know, they need to learn. They're young and they need to learn. Back to the Future. 
and it got me thinking about sequels. What, what are the best sequels of all time? Anyone have a favorite sequel? We're in a circle. Terminator, there's one. Star Wars, well, that's like a trilogy, right? So it's not a sequel. 24. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that. Uh, okay, see, everyone's got a favorite sequel. The, the question is, uh, is like when you go into equal it's it's equal parts going to be bad or good right like if you if if you you saw something in your youth and they waited too long to make the sequel it's probably going to be terrible because the time's passed the era's passed it's it's just not good anymore reboots are good but it's not the same thing i just i just love i, I like sequel i'm a sequel guy why cuz i see a story and and i just i just want i want more i want to know more now what's the one thing that all good first movies have in common if they think they're getting a sequel they're leaving that ending a little open-ended, you know. It's like we need to make some room just in case Transformers 17, 19, and 32 get made. You need to leave it a little open-ended. And that's kind of how the Bible ends. One little bit cliffhanger, one little bit open-ended ending. Let's go to the book of Revelation. That's the scary one at the end. Revelation chapter 22. We're going to go to the very uh, last chapter of the Bible to the very last two verses. Does anyone, anyone know how the Bible ends, by the way? Anyone read that recently? Dylan knows. All right, great. Revelations 22, verse 20. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. That's how the Bible ends. Now, when was the last time you heard a message about Jesus coming back? Anyone? Anyone in the room? Probably not in a long time. And that's, that's a bit of a problem. Mainly because we live our lives in a very uh, temporal, kind of short timeline kind of existence. We live our lives liking Jesus. Some of us love Jesus. Some of us are really into the idea of Jesus. Some of us are letting Jesus work in us. Some of us are just content with him walk, working around us because we like the favor of God. Some of us want him working through us. But most of us, when we don't talk about Jesus coming back, when we don't talk about the very end, what we do is we take things out of focus and we take them out of context. Because we live this temporary life and, and we're like, okay, this is awesome. So we do everything that we can do in our life, but we ultimately fix our eyes on the things that we can achieve in this lifetime. It's the greater idea, the greater concept that Jesus is king and that he is the soon coming king, that any moment he can come back. Now, What's, here's what's crazy about this. If, if, you've read, if you haven't read Revelation recently, probably the last time you did was maybe when you were at youth camp in the summer like me in grade 7, terrified in the middle of the night because I heard dragons, I heard Mark of Beasts, which in my head was a giant bull. I don't know why. And we, we were in grade 7, and we just talked about it until 3 in the morning, and everyone had nightmares because we were terrified about the end of the earth. If you're also in junior high and you think about Jesus coming back, or let's be honest, if you're not married and you're a Christian, you're going, oh, dear God, not yet. Jesus, I'm not leaving this earth as a virgin, okay? I mean, if you're not saying it out loud, you're thinking it on the inside. If you've been in Christian circles, if you haven't, you're like, sorry, what? Yeah, there's a thing, purity, and then Jesus comes back, and there's no marriage in heaven. You're in a different form, so this is your last chance, buddy, okay? So you're like, God, I want you to come soon, but just not that soon. But it also acts as this kind of barometer for us. 
Spoiler alert, the end of the Bible is that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back again. This is what 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says. A little context for us along the way. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So he's being patient. You're like, man, so generally if you're anywhere from 75 to 95, you're like, Jesus, come right now. I lived a good full life, and I don't want to pass through the pain of death. So I want to enter the pearly gates just floating into the great abyss. Called heaven, not the abyss. (laughs) I misspoke. That's awkward. If you're young, you're like, ah, like there's things I want to do. There's things I want to experience. I want to live this rich and abundant life. But again, that's about us. It's about God. What can I do? What can I accomplish? If we reset our eyes on Jesus is coming back, he says, the thing that's holding me back from coming back is you. The thing that's holding me back from coming back is you because I'm, I'm taking some time because you're supposed to be witnesses. I've asked you to be witnesses, and there's still a whole lot of people who have not met me yet. So I'm just going to give you like a little, like we're in bonus time. I'm going to give you a little, you know, injury time in soccer that makes no sense whatsoever. Like arbitrarily decided in the worst sport in the world. Um, where a referee just says, yeah, just keep playing for 25 minutes because I like the guys in green. Let's see if they can score. We're in bonus time right now. So the question is this, and it's twofold. If you have not started a journey with Jesus, then our question is, is Jesus really waiting for me? Yes. Yes. Is Jesus really waiting for me? Yes. You. By name. Because he knows repaired on your head. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows. Yeah, he's waiting for you. Is he really waiting for my mom? Is he really waiting for my neighbor? Yeah, so then the question, second question that arises from this is, is he waiting on me as a believer? Is he waiting on me to have that conversation? Is he waiting on me to invite somebody? Is Jesus, is he waiting? Oh, he's waiting. He's waiting on me. Like there's nothing worse than being the person that's late to the party that makes everybody wait. So the question is, is Jesus waiting on Growing up, the greatest night of the week was Friday night. Anyone else have that experience? TGIF. Now, if you grew up in a charismatic Christian household, that's thank goodness it's Friday. But now that we're living in freedom, I'm going to say, thank God it's Friday. Because I'm, I'm thankful. I'm rejoicing. Yes, thank God it's Friday. And what you do on Friday is you turn the TV to ABC starting at 6.30 p.m., depending on your time zone, maybe 7, maybe 8, depending on your time zone, and you you, you tune into TGIF and you discover the wonderful gem of the 90s called Boy Beats. Literally the greatest show ever created in the history of television featuring a young curly-haired Corey Matthews. If you have not watched it, go to ABC Spark Family Channel. I live over on those kids' channels, so I can tell you where to find it. It's on TV right now. The seat, don't watch the new one. It's terrible. Just go back to the original one. I, if it's not on Netflix, start a letter-writing campaign. We'll bring it back. But the thing Boy Meets World is you watch Boy Meets World and you think you're just watching a comedy show as a kid. But what you don't realize they're doing is they're like teaching you like moral lessons on how to be a good person. You think Mr. Feeney was there by accident? No, he's the voice of wisdom. I would even say if you're reading the book of Proverbs, there's always that father that they're talking about. That's Mr. Feeney on the other side of the fence 
giving and dispensing good virtue and good values and good morals and good wisdom for everyday life. So not only are you enjoying the comedy of the show, which is hilarious, literally the greatest television show ever created, but you're actually learning something too. You're learning something along the way. It's like those writers just knew how to weave it in. It's like they just spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. What you learn is that you're actually a terrible person like Sean and you need to be a better person like Corey. And here's how to do it. Three easy steps in 30 minutes. Wham, bam, you're going to like it. And it helps direct your life. Spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. So here's what I, here's what I love in, in sequels as well. Uh, I, I love that it's just, you know, not cliffhangers. And that's what the Bible is. It's not just a cliffhanger. The Bible also has Easter eggs. Does anyone know what Easter eggs are? It's like when you're watching your favorite uh, maybe like uh, Avengers movie or Marvel movie and Stan Lee always keeps showing up. That, that's like a cameo. But then there's Easter eggs where they drop all this knowledge for only like the really into it people. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you probably have a life and that's great. But <laughs> if you do know what I'm talking about, you're like you're really into it and you just see all these little, it's like kind of a tip of the hat to all the, the original and the real, original things. Like I'm going to I'm gonna be really honest with you. I'm really into like I love Star Trek. That's a big thing for me to put out there. But, uh, I mean, I love watching the new movies because everything's just like a nod to, like, other stuff that's happening, right? They drop all these things in. Well, Jesus did the same thing in the Bible, talking about uh, referencing that in Peter 3, verse 9, when it talks about whether he's waiting on me or waiting for me. Jesus left some Easter eggs for us to help us discover how to live in, in this world where he's coming back soon. Like, what do we do when Jesus is coming back soon? The Apostle Paul had to deal with this all across the, the New Testament because they were literally like, okay, well, Jesus died, you know, on the cross and was resurrected like 20 or so years ago, so it's got to be any minute. And so they just quit their jobs, live off the generosity of other people. So, like, in church, we, they take offerings and feed people, and they're like, I'm not going to give anything. I'm just going to eat because Jesus is coming soon. I don't need a job. I just need to be with Jesus. No, you need to be a contributing member of society, reaching people, because Jesus is waiting for you to reach somebody else instead of just taking, taking, taking. It's not about a meal mentality. It's about reaching people. So Jesus says, this is how you live when I'm coming back soon, because we have to also remember that Jesus doesn't occupy our time and space. He doesn't occupy our timeline. He occupies all the timelines. He has a different way of seeing the world. When I went away to Indonesia for three weeks, Everett, my five-year-old, would ask Desiree almost every single day, has it been three weeks yet? And his dad coming home. Oh, it was not three weeks. It was two weeks. Is dad coming home? She said, no, this is the day. So he would go, okay, great. Go to bed. Wake up the next morning. Is today the day that dad's coming home? No, today is not the day. You've got a week and a half left to go, buddy. Okay, great. What's the date again? It's this day. Okay, are we going to go to the airport pick him up? Yes, that's what we're going to do. Okay, awesome. And you put him to bed and he wakes up the next morning. Hey, Mom, is today the day we're going to the airport to get that? No, because when you're five years old, time doesn't exist in the same way it does for us, right? Same thing with Jesus. Time doesn't exist for him the same way it does for us. We're here on the earth going, God, it's been 2,000 years. Like, when are you showing up? He's like, if you knew how long it took me to make things and you knew how long history's been playing out, you would know I'm not in a rush. So then how do we even live in a world where Jesus is coming back soon, but we're not sure? We just take his advice. We pick up the Easter eggs and we run with it. Mark chapter 16. This is, this is one of them. You're going to love this. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. 
Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. <sighs> Knew that one was coming. So how do we live in the world where Jesus is coming back, but we're not sure how to process Simple. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Okay, only the people I like. No, everyone. Only the people in close proximity. No, everyone. Well, how do I reach everybody? Well, that's why we do things like the feeding program to Rwanda, because we're being a part of reaching people in Rwanda. Every time we invest into that, we're investing into the gospel going, the good news going out, and reaching those kids. They're coming to eat, but what they don't realize is they're not just eating rice. They're eating food that they're drinking the water, the living water that's going to come and bring them life. They're eating Jesus. They don't know it, but that's what they're doing. Every time we make an investment, every time we partner with somebody, we're partnering with them for life change. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Okay, we reluctantly accept that one. What's the next one? John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Hold on. If we believe the Bible, if we read it in context, that means Jesus fed 20,000 people at one time. All right, Seb. Let's schedule it. I'm going to do the same works that Jesus has done on this earth? Yep. It's possible. See what God can do through you. But he doesn't stop there. And even greater works. You're going to do the same works, and then you're going to do even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And while I'm out of the office, I left you in the office. You're my representatives. You are a beacon of hope shining in the darkness. And you've been given all the power and all the authority, the same power that Jesus Christ with uh, walked the earth with. That was the power of the Holy Spirit. So he gave that gift to us as well. He said, i got to leave so somebody else can come, and that somebody else is going to come is the Holy Spirit. So it's not only going to live like in the Old, per in the Old Testament with one person. It's available to every person, which means when you believe in Jesus and you accept him into your heart and you, and you say, man, I want that power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life, the power of God is available to you. All of God is available to you all the time. So we'll start with the things that Jesus did, but then he says, guys, greater greater things. Now, if you're like me, you're like, that's a lot of pressure. Jesus did some pretty awesome stuff, like he himself rose from the dead. When was the last time you died and rose yourself from the dead? I did, have not done it recently. That's a lot of pressure. Well, don't think about it that way. Do you know what all this stuff was about? All of the stuff that Jesus did, healing people, raising the dead, feeding people. It was about being a giant arrow saying, you need Jesus. So, what do we do? We love people, and we point them to Jesus. And when there's things that, roadblocks and obstacles that come in their way, we believe that if we call on the name of the Lord, that we can draw on that same power that conquered the grave, and signs and wonders will follow those who believe. It's not about me going out to make it happen. I don't chase people around. I'm not an ambulance chaser looking for sick people to heal. But I have no problems praying for people. And if, and if this happens sometimes, if I really feel like I'm supposed to approach somebody in public, then I've 
occasionally done that as well. Somebody I don't know is strange and will pray for them and God will heal them. But it's not about us forcing an issue and making something happen. It's about trusting Jesus, being in the natural flow of everyday relationship with God. This is the amazing stuff, reading the Bible every day, talking, conversation. And, and if, if you have a relationship like Jesus, you know, here he says he's going to be with the Father. Before that, he says, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. They're in this, like, tight relationship where they talk all the time. Do you have a best friend that you talk on the phone with every day? Anyone? Hands, show hands. Who's got a best friend you talk on the phone with every day? You need more friends. Um, anyone have a mom? Who talks to their mom on the phone every day? Anyone? No one. You need to love your moms more. Oh, you text. You text. Who texts your friends every day? Oh, okay. Thank you, Jen. You can try a little personal touch, people. I talk to my mom every day. All right, details, okay? But it's amazing what happens if you take the pressure off and you focus on your relationship with Jesus because Jesus is like, hey, why don't you point them to me? Why don't you point that person to me? Why don't you point them to me? Because I can give them life and I can put them back together and I can heal them and I can give them hope and I can give them a destiny and I can give them a future. Why don't you take the pressure off yourself, talk to Jesus and just follow him and if, if he says do something, just do it. And if you don't, he'll be like, okay, next time champ, his mercies are new every morning. But guess what? He's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. He says, we got so many people that I want to bring into the family of God. That's what this whole thing is about. It's us reaching out. This is the Easter eggs. These are the things that are pointing to the end. The end says Jesus is coming back, and before Jesus comes back, we got to get everybody in the boat. That's the idea. That's the whole point. That's the story of God. I have a question for you. Who do you think that you are when you read the Bible? Who are you? You ever take on a character when you're reading the Bible? Are you the protagonist? Are you the hero? Are you Jesus? Because you're reading it wrong if you're Jesus. In fact, if we're being really honest, we're reading it wrong if we're the hero. If we're reading it wrong if we're the protagonist. When Jesus goes and talks to the woman at the well who's had five husbands and is living with number six, you're her. When Jesus meets the prostitute, you hate to hear this, but you're her. In fact, in Scripture, in the Old Testament, it always points to Jesus. And there's a book called Hosea, where Hosea really, literally marries a prostitute. And Jesus says, just love her. And they have kids together. And then she runs out the door, and she goes and does this thing. And he literally goes and chases her down and buys her back and brings her back home. And it's back and forth, back and forth. That small book in a part of the Bible that you probably haven't been to in a long time, if we're being honest, is representative of all of our lives with Jesus. All the time. See, the story of God is that he's faithful and true. God makes man. God makes man for relationship. They walk and they talk in the cool of day. Man, man gets his own idea. R- relationship breaks down. Man runs away from God, God chases down man. Repeat. Don't believe me, just move a little bit forward to the Israelites. God sets them free from slavery and captivity. They make it into the the desert, the first sign of hardship. They want to turn back to Egypt because at least they knew what slavery felt like. They were so comfortable in slavery that they forgot what freedom felt like. They wander around for 40 years because they 
find the way to the promised land because they can't promise Jesus. They can't trust Jesus. The truth is that's our story. You might be wandering and wandering and wondering, wondering why you can't get traction, wondering why you can't move forward. It's because you just don't trust Jesus yet. And that's okay. I don't either sometimes, most of the time. It's a conscious choice. It's a decision where I say, I am going to trust Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus in this situation, in this circumstance. Even though I think I know better, I realize that his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I'm not going to trust me because when I trust me, I end up right here. And the worst thing I can do is ask me who got me here how I'm going to get me out of this. When I can turn to the author and the finisher of my faith. You see, if you read the Bible and you read it and you put the camera angle solely on ourselves, it's a sad story about how we just wander hopelessly until Jesus rescues us and then we wander off and then he rescues us and you're going, wow, when am I going to wander off next? But if you shift the camera angle and you focus it on Jesus, you discover that the story of God is that Jesus is faithful and true. That he was always there. That no matter what we did, no matter where we went, no matter how many times we decided our ways was better, Jesus was always there saying, come on back. Come on back. Come on back. I got something better for you. No matter how many times we ran off, no matter how many times we broke his heart, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a real relationship. If you've got relationships, you've got broken hearts when there's betrayal. Now, if you've ever been cheated on, if you've ever had someone disappoint you to the level where you feel betrayed by them, you know that it's going to take a lot to even want to see that person again. Think how much it takes Jesus to say, not only do I want to see you again, but I can't wait till you come back and I got something better for you. I got something beautiful for you. And it doesn't even matter. I'm just going to wrap you up in my arms of love because I understand that you're broke and that you're in need of some direction. And I'm here to redeem you. And I'm here to restore you. And I'm here to find you. And I'm here to point you towards your destiny and your future. And I'm here to remind you that I'm always going to be here because I am yesterday, today, and forever. I am the beginning, the middle, the end. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the author, which means I'm the start point and I'm the finisher of your faith and I'm coming back at some point and when I do I hope that our relationship is so good that it finishes in the way that John finishes see revelation is is written by John the beloved now John called himself John the beloved in all the chapters so we're not 100% sure he was the best friend of Jesus but according to his writings he was in there close okay and you notice how it finishes he says, yes, amen, come Lord Jesus, come on back, I can't wait to see you again, I can't wait, come on Jesus, come on back, I'm here waiting for you, and if it's not happening in this lifetime, it's fine, at the end of this lifetime, I'm going to see you anyway, so it's all good, but yeah, come on Jesus, he's excited, he's got anticipation for the end, because the thing that's most important is his relationship with Jesus, and it's his relationship with Jesus that leads him to reach other people, because there's no greater thing in his life, and he can't do it. He can't help himself to share about the greatest person in his life. Jesus is more exciting than your new iPhone, and yet you tell everybody about the iPhone. If you look at the story of the Bible, the story of God, from the camera angle, solely on Jesus, you'll see that what's woven through, just like in Boy Meets World, 
the story of the faithfulness of God. He's just working that weave. Working that weave. Working that weave. This is what Romans 10 said. You got a real Bible. Who's got a real Bible here today, by the way? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, my goodness. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Revival levels. Revival levels. Romans chapter 10. I'm going to give you a moment to get there because you need time to flip. This isn't Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Even though Trina beat us there. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. I'm excited. Somebody's got a Bible in this house today. All right. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Are you ready for this? Because once I share this with you, you understand that you can't go back. Now, you might have read it before, and you might have understood it before, but you're understanding it in a new way because God's bringing new revelation to you right now about it. So once we read this, you can't go back, right? You understand that? Does everyone understand and agree? We cannot, we're never going to be the same. Okay, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Does that sound good? Okay, great. (laughs) For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. I need to just put a pause right here. I forgot to announce September 10th we're doing a baptism. I just need, so what you do at baptism is you, is you declare your faith. So Dylan, give us a wave. That's Dylan. He's getting baptized. He, <laughs> Craig, it comes to the 12, he's getting baptized. Listen, that's going to be a party Sunday, okay? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a party and because uh, we believe it's a celebration. If you want to get baptized, then come and talk to myself or Pastor Seb or his better half, uh, Haley, because she will actually make something happen with it. Um, so if you want to get baptized, September 10th, that's your day. We openly declare on baptism that we are saved uh, by faith through grace. All right. Verse 11. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him, if you have a paper Bible, because you can do this, you can't do this with technology, underline, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. It's a promise of God. This has shown up. I've dropped these Easter eggs all throughout this series. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are same in this respect. They have the same Lord, which means all people have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14. But how can, are you ready for this? But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? Snap. How can they even believe in Jesus if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that's on me. How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, I love this, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. I want everyone just put your feet out in front of you and just say, I got beautiful feet. I got beautiful feet. You don't, but well, they're awkward, they're misshapen, your toes need to be trimmed. But the scriptures say, anyone who brings the good news, anyone who tells about the goodness of Jesus, anyone who shares and points people to Jesus, is how beautiful 
are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. We're going to jump over to Revelation 22. Finish it where we started it. Verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Trinity, just leave it on the screen. Let the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this, even though you might not fully understand or comprehend, you say, come. Anyone who is thirsty, come on. Anyone who desires to drink of the rivers of living water, come. Come. This is just before the Bible ends. Jesus sends us out. And we don't always understand the language in Revelation. The Spirit and the Bride say, what does that even mean? This is what that means. The Spirit is the Spirit of God. Okay? What he's Jesus. The bride is his church. You know when you go to the movies and they got the Dolby thing at the beginning, it's like, and they do the stereo thing and you hear things coming all around you so that you know that it's surround sound. That's what happens right here. See, we put it all on ourselves to go reach somebody. But every time we speak of the goodness of God, every time we share of the goodness of God, every time we tell somebody about the hope that we found, the Bible says that the Spirit and the Bride say, come. Not only is it an echo of the goodness of God that's us echoing out the good things that He's done, but it's stereo, surround sound. We speak together. So it's not just me going, come on over here. It's me plus God going, come. In 3D, Dolby surrounds him. We need the subs in the 12 o'clock service. We'll get that worked out. It's like, come, you know. And you're like, oh, but I'm weak and I'm broken. How is anyone going to respond to me? Listen, they're not responding to you. They're responding to the Spirit of God at work in your life. See what God can do through you? See what God can do through you when you just have the courage to say, come on, come and find what I've found. It's not just you. Scripture tells us that the Father draws all men to himself by his spirit. But guess what? You're carriers of the spirit of God. So that means when he draws all men by his spirit to himself, he draws all men through you. But we can have courage because I'm not just saying come by myself. The spirit in the bride in Dolby surround sound stereo says come. How do we do it? We work the weave. We talk about the faithfulness of God that's woven into our story. Because even though the book may end, Revelation may may end, where the book ends is where the story of God begins in your life. The book may end, but the story picks up in your life, in your journey. Because the faithfulness of God is woven into your story too. The book may end, but that's where your life in Jesus begins. We're not talking about a sequel. We're talking about a trilogy. It's the Bible. Then it's our lives and humanity. Then it's Jesus coming back. We're right in the middle, and it's our time to tell the story of God. You're living the story of God. Guess what? The people in the Bible didn't know that they were going to be in the Bible. They just lived their life. Now, I'm not saying that someone's going to, the Bible says the Bible's done. I'm not talking about canonizing scripture around Sebastian Murda. What I am talking about is the same God that redeemed the murderer and the adulterer and the terrorist in the Bible is turning your life around. 
And you're like, I'm not a murderer, adulterer, or a terrorist. No, but you're a jerk, and God's going to do the same thing that he did in them to you to turn you around for his glory. Let the spirit and the bride say, come, let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing this song, but this is, this is the end. This is the finale of Campfire Stories. The Bible says, how are they going to go if they're not sent? In just a moment after we sing, we're going to send you, empower you with the power of the Holy Spirit to come and reach those who need Jesus. You've been listening to The Engage Life, powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out EngageChurch.ca.